It's podcast 47 from Football Adania, your home of Dutch football. You're listening to us on YouTube, SoundCloud, iTunes or Football Nation Radio. I'm Michael Statham and I'm joined by Michael Bell and James Rowe to discuss the latest news in the Eredivisie as well as answer all of your Twitter questions sent in to us. Enjoy. Mike, James, uh, let's let's start talking about the Eredivisie title race. It's getting more and more interesting by the week and it's so much more unpredictable as well. Um, and let's start our podcast with a question. Um, Abdul sent this in on Twitter. What's the reason that PSV have started to drop points when there's only the Eredivisie title left to fight for this season? And I suppose you guys, um, it's not just PSV that have been dropping points. Ajax have too. Why? I think for me, when it comes to PSV, it's, it seems some of the players have become a bit complacent. Um, if you look at the weekend, the first half, the defence was all over the place. And going forward, they weren't playing as a team, especially Irving Lozano. Um, I saw it described after the game that someone said that he was playing like he was trying to make compilations of himself on YouTube. Um, trying to do everything himself, not passing to his teammates, taking shots. I think Mark Van Bommel did exactly what he should have done, which was hooked him off at half-time. Same with Gaston Pereiro, if you're not playing well, get him off. Doesn't matter that he scored the goal, get the fresh legs on and uh, drum it into these players that if they're not going to perform, they're not going to play. Um, and Herving Lozano is you know, obviously a key man for them and they'll need him for the game against Feyenoord on Sunday, but you need to drum it into them that this title race isn't over. And especially now that they've dropped points in two games, the Ajax is right behind them. If it's only four points, if Ajax beat them at the end of March, then you know it's only one point in it, it gets a bit nervy. So um, you know, PSV are Feyenoord, Excelsior away, and then NACA at home, and VVV away before they head to Amsterdam. That's uh, four must-win games for them now before they set up in Amsterdam. Um, so I think these players just need to get their, their heads straight and get back to focusing on getting the victories. I think energy levels will play a part because Mark Van Bommel was so demanding and like Mike says with his substitutions, you know, being showing that he's the boss, showing that he's the manager and, and, and hooking players that are not really playing for the team or, or, or you know, a team ethic in, in certain games. I think what, what must also not be forgotten is traditionally Utrecht away and Heerenveen away can be potential banana skins. And, um, you know, that's, that, that's also something that, uh, that mustn't be forgotten. And, um, yeah, but from my, from my point of view, to answer this question, I think it's energy levels because of the demanding manager. But, you know, it's only four points. There are 12 games to go. Many a twist and turn ahead. You know, yes, the game in Amsterdam at the end of March may well prove decisive. But um, it's what happens up until that and then immediately afterwards. You know, because you, you've got teams that are, are fighting against relegation. You've got teams that want to uh, get into the European playoffs. So everyone will have something to play for. And that's always been the, the kind of mantra of the Eredivisie itself. That it's never really done and dusted until it's done and dusted. So I think this will go to the wire. And that'll be very, very interesting to see what happens in the weeks ahead. I thought it was quite telling how uh, Herving Lazzaro was pulled off at half-time in PSV's 2-2 draw at Hale and Vane. Uh, the fact that Mark Van Bommel wasn't afraid to make that decision and play Kodiak Gakpo and then also to bring on Mohi Hatada um, in place of Gaston Pereira, yeah. And 
that just that just shows i think the difference perhaps between ps3 and ajax that ps3 will have that that dip in form every team does every team makes mistakes every team will drop points but it's how they're going to recover from that now are ps3 over that will is that 2-2 comeback going to be the end of that dip in form they had it's not going to be the last point to drop this season that's for sure but will they go back to those winning ways and that almost imperious form that we saw before because ajax have been dropping points too but I think, as I said, the telling difference will be the difference between Mark Van Bommel and Eric Ten Hag, how they can both deal with it. And a really um, interesting comment in the week came from Dutch media about how um, Mark Van Bommel comes across as the boss, whereas Eric Ten Hag is not. And that's what will make the difference in this season's title race. What do you two think? Yeah, I, I totally agree with what Pierre Van Hooydonk said about that. Um, and even Raphael van der Vaart agreed with it. And I think uh, we'll see what happens on Sunday. If PSV are lethargic against Feyenoord, the message hasn't got across. But if they come out, um, you know, Feyenoord look really weak at the moment. It could be a battering from PSV. Um, if the message got across from Van Bommel right, you know, PSV should come flying out the box on Sunday and really go for the juggernaut and uh, try and get a big win on Sunday. If they do, then you, you can see them flying with confidence into three pretty easy and winnable games um, before they head to Amsterdam. I think the priorities as well of the two clubs, you can draw a parallel in this instance, you know, that Ten Hag was, it was made aware to him that it's not just about going for the title, it's also about making progress in Europe. And I'm not saying that Van Bommel didn't have the same objective set to him by PSV, but in the case of Ajax, they made it quite clear to Ten Hag that it's not just a case of, of getting through to the Champions League qualifiers and participating in the group. We want to go as far as we possibly can. And um I think it's a parallel of the two, what goes on behind the scenes at both clubs. You know, one is is traditionally more geared to European success, while the other one is very much, you know, domestic, um, I wouldn't say dominance, but, you know, domestic priorities and then seeing what they can do in Europe, for example. But, um, yeah, I think a valid point in that respect, but, um, yeah, many a twist and turn ahead. But I think from my point of view, being here in Amsterdam as well, Tanakh is is under pressure. You know, should I actually not win this Eredivisie title? It's five years without a title. And the natives are getting restless, as they say here. So um, pressure on for both, but in particular, Tanakh, uh, I believe. We saw that Frankie de Jong um, had a bit of a wobble in form ever since his confirmed transfer to Barcelona. And I, I just wondered whether transfer rumours, even, even this early stage, it's only February, but... Having having just had the January transfer window, could could transfer rumours be affecting some of the players, particularly PSV, on the evidence of De Jong's um, fall in form? Jordan asked a question. And he said, "Which PSV players could be way way out of the club in the summer, and could Marco van Hinkle return to Eindhoven on a permanent deal?" Um, that question comes into the fact: that it, it, Are some of these players that, that could be leaving um, PSV, which ones will be on their way, and has that been affecting their form? Yeah, I think if you look at Hervin Lozano and uh, Stephen Bergwijn are two that the Dutch media are getting right behind and saying that, you know, all the big clubs in Europe are following them. And you've got to say maybe their heads are turned. I think Bergwijn's performances haven't really dipped. He was unlucky against here in Vienna, had a shot at Canned right back off the post, but he was their main creative threat. Um, with Lozano, I think his head maybe has been turned. I could definitely see them two going. And then... In case of Van Hinkle, I'd love to see him back at PSV. It was great um, for the past two years, and it's important that he gets regular football. 
you know, there's some talk that he might be back for the end of the season, but I can't see him getting into that Chelsea side at the moment. So it's, uh, his next move is going to be crucial. And I think a uh, move back to PSV in the summer to replace, they'll have the money from Bergwijn, Lozano, and probably Gaston Pereiro. Um, I think those three will definitely leave, and I think Van Hinkle would be a great fan of P's and signing for him. I think for him, Van Hinkle, I think it would be a fantastic move. He was on. Uh, he was on red hot form last time. He last time out, but he played for PSV, and uh, was a big uh, played. You know, being captain and playing a big role in their title success as well. Um, I think Dumfries will go. I think the clubs uh, have have seen the progression that he's made at such a young age. The fact that he doesn't look out of place at international level already, and he only debuted last November. And considering that right backs as competent as what he is are quite rare to find, I think a club will go in for him. Uh, Lozano stated on the eve of the season starting that you know, he highly expects this to be his last season in Eindhoven due to the fact that you know it's important for him, for his family, to be as familiar and comfortable off the pitch as possible, hence why uh, a move to Sp- uh, Spain is, uh, is linked. And, um, yeah, I, I think... Um, Gaston Pereiro as well. He's been he's been around in Eindhoven for a long time, and I think they might also take heart from the move of Sergio Arias. You know, he spent time at PSV and went on to one of the best clubs in Europe in Atletico. So there's always the there's always the expectation and the hope that you, you don't necessarily have to go uh, to a, a middle of the road league from the Netherlands. You don't always have to go to go a step in between. If you work hard enough, the the rewards can be quite big. As regards to Bergwijn, I don't know if it's in his best interest to maybe have one final season here. And um, I'll give you an example. When Depay was instrumental in PSV winning the league and went from here to um, for Netherlands to Manchester United, uh, he was at the heart of everything they did. Every single goal, every single creative outlet appeared to be from him. And I think if Ber- Bergwijn could replicate such um, such an important role player-wise, then I think he'd have the pick of the clubs in comparison to if he was to go now and you don't want him ending up on a on a bench somewhere and not playing as much. I think uh, Jürgen Zutz as well is another person that will be leaving PSV this, this summer. But he's been around for so long and he's been rumoured to leave for a few years now, but he hasn't quite managed to do that. And because he seems to be quite settled with PSV and it's helping him get into the Dutch national team, something which I think Dental Dunfordy should take a note of. Um, the fact that, yes, I think, if, if particularly if he plays well in the Nations League um, semi-final or final uh, this summer, that he will get suitors coming in for him, big, bigger clubs that want his signature. But I think he's better off staying at PSV. Um, Santiago Arias, as you pointed out, James, is a good example of that, that if he could stay in Eindhoven, he will get a big, a big move one day. Why rush into it when he can be that regular player with PSV, win, win silverware, and play for the Dutch national team regularly? Um, another question related to transfers in the summer is from Cam, um, and he wants to know about who he, who we think will have a better career out of Matthijs de Ligt or Frenkie de Jong, which is a, a brilliant question to ask, and I guess that depends on what, what kind of um, aspects you're comparing them on. You compare them on what, how much money they'd like to earn in their career, silverware, caps for the Dutch national team. Um, but let's get the opinions of, of James and Mike. I think for me, if you look at the two of them, I think Frankie de Jong is going to 
know, arguably the biggest club in the world. And if he established himself there, he could be there for the rest of his career, become a fan favourite in Barcelona and become, you know, one of his players that have the, you know, the esteem of uh, Sergio Busquets in that level. Um, De Ligt, I see him as a future Netherlands captain. I see him as a record cap holder. I think he's going to be that instrumental and I can see him going to one of the biggest clubs in the world as well. Um, it's difficult to pick. I hope they both have the same career because I hope they both lead Netherlands to a World Cup win. And then we're talking about the two of them being greats for Netherlands going forward. But um, I think De Ligt, in the position he plays and the way he plays that, the age he is, he's two years younger, I think he's going to go on to have break records. Whereas I think Frankie Dong is going to have a great career, but I don't think it's going to be record-breaking. I agree. I think Matthijs De Ligt, you know, the maturity to show at this age is... Uh, this kind of player and young player in particular comes along once in a generation especially in his position and as someone who's watched him play since he broke through even not just on the pitch cajoling fellow teammates that are older and more experienced uh, having the 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 guts to come out and speak to the Dutch press after difficult results for example away to uh, Feyenoord recently and to hear him speak, you think, well, it can't be a kid of 19 speaking like that, but it is. And his awareness as well, his, his awareness of everything around him, and, you know, is so assured as well. I think, I think, I agree with Mike, I think he will go on to become the record cap holder and also, um, and also hopefully captain. And I think as well, he's going to choose very wisely. I mean, he's linked to every, uh, there's a saying here in the Netherlands, you know, when something happens a lot, you're linked. For, and in this case, he's linked from every club from here to Tokyo. And he can choose whatever he wants. And uh, I'm certain that it will surprise with his next choice of club. Um, and I think with De Jong, again, I think De Jong will be pivotal for his next club. And it'll be interesting to see also in his position of midfield, how often he'll be called upon, not just by current Barcelona managers but maybe even future um, Barcelona managers and the club being the way it is you know from one minute revering towards La Masia and the next minute going out and buying the best young players in the world so it's, it's, you've got to try to find a happy medium but I think with De Ligt I think you know he's already uh, within two years put his stamp down as to who he is and what he is and uh, he's smart enough to know what's the, the most difficult stages are yet to come He's got good uh, good people around him, so I think De Ligt will have uh, will have the better career in that respect. But I'm also convinced that De Jong will have a, a career that he can look back on and be very proud of too. I like questions like this because um, no one in 20 years' time is going to come back and haunt us about what we said. Uh, Never know. I've Could be on TV by then. Oh yeah, we'll all be we'll all be really famous. Uh, <laughs> um, no, Matthijs De Ligt, he he will I think have the better career. Uh, I th- I think um, one of you mentioned this already just now that the position he plays in does help that um, he yeah. will become that monumental centre back. I think another difference between the two of them is that Delict is currently younger as well. Um, De Jong can still develop, but Delict can do so even more. Um, and I think at the hands of someone who uh, who who is a, an experienced centre back, he can go on to become one of the greatest centre backs that has ever been in in football. Um, and that is not in any way talking down Frankie de Jong, but I just think that De Ligt will become an ultimate. Uh, James, you're an Arsenal fan. Let me get your opinion on this. Uh, so De Ligt this this week has been linked with Arsenal. Are there any, yeah. is there any truth to the rumours? And if it is true, can he succeed at uh, Arsenal? 
Um, well, we'd walk into our back line. I say that now. Um, I've wa- I've watched Arsenal play lights seven times this year, and the crux of our defence is nobody can communicate. They they all seem to use sign language. De Ligt, with his qualities of wanting to cajole fellow teammates, organise that back line, talk and talk and talk and smell danger and snuff it out, is something Arsenal's back line sorely miss. As regards to the link, I think it's quite tenuous. I think it's, I don't know if it's clickbait completely. But one one thing I am convinced about is that I think De Ligt is mature enough to give every club that seriously goes in for him the time of day. I don't think he, he's, he's made up of... Uh, of, for example, qualities where he'll say, oh, I don't want to play for them. I think he'll look at the bigger picture and give every single club the um, the time of day and make the right decision for him. And I, I've been saying for quite some time now, I'm convinced that he will surprise with his next choice of club. I'm, I'm not saying it's going to be Arsenal, but I don't also think it's going to be a club where necessarily everybody expected. Like, for example, Bayern Munich are not being talked of as much as a potential um, suitor, only Rafael van der Vaart is when he was asked where should De Ligt go, uh, Matthijs De Ligt go, he stated Bayern Munich, which I thought was a very interesting and very um, very honest opinion. But uh, yeah, the links to Arsenal, uh, lots of Arsenal fans on Twitter have been uh, have been with their DMs and 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 trying to get information. But um, I think it's you know a lot of people look on YouTube, but. We know ourselves, the three of us, having watched him for such a long time. And in my case, been very lucky to watch him live since he first broke through and see his progression. Um, you know, the world is is at his feet and uh, it would be very nice for him to sign for Arsenal. He wouldn't even have to change colour of kit. He can carry on staying in red and white if he wishes. But um, it would be a wonderful move for Arsenal, but I think it's unlikely in all honesty. Okay. Um, another question we had this week also relates to Arsenal and Ajax. Um, from class and he says were, were Mark Overmars to join Arsenal as a director of football how do you think um, who, sorry who do you think should take his place as Ajax's director of football mm, there's a question um, I think because Overmars has been so comfortable in that role and uh, still is so comfortable in that role and my uh, my first and honest opinions about it is I don't think he's going to leave and I, and I know that Arsenal are are looking at Monchi and looking at, at Overmars. I hope he chooses. Uh, I hope Arsenal choose Monchi. Nothing against Overmars. He's done a sterling job, particularly in a selling sense. But um, Monchi's worked with Emily, and this is a project with a manager that we have, which I have no wish to dispose of whatsoever. Hence why my um, hence why my uh, my preference goes there. But very interesting, you know, Overmars when he when he took the job that come out of nowhere. So you don't necessarily know if it's going to be a uh, a former a, for, a former player for the club. You don't know if it's going to be like, for example, years ago when Ajax was sponsored by ABN Amro. They had um, you know people in that role that, that were had previous experience in the banking sector. You don't know if they're going to go back in that in those kind of walks of life kind of thing. So it's a very difficult question in terms of giving potential names but um i think the first thing you have to do is wait and see if he does move and then uh, and then see all the names that will follow him follow him from there i think a couple of names you could mention would be you know vim yonk left under difficult circumstances a couple of years ago um after falling out if overmars goes maybe he'll come back into the fold 
And you've got to look at the job that Max Huberts is doing at AZ Alkmaar at the moment. I think um, PSV were a rumoured destination after Marcel Brands left. And I think if uh, Overmars does go then his name will pop up again. He's doing an absolutely amazing job at AZ Alkmaar and I think he should maybe look to progress his career a little by going to Ajax because I think he'd do a fantastic job there as well. Okay. Well, um, thank you both for talking about PSV and Ajax. Let's move on to talking about Feyenoord. Um, it's been a tumultuous time for the Rotterdam club. Um, this news has long been known about Jovan Bronkhorst uh, leaving in the summer, uh, but there are loads of poor results and fans are now being um, ridiculed almost for clinging on to those memories of a 6-2 win over Ajax after some really poor performances against um, teams lower down the table. Um, what do you both make of the mess at final at the moment? And it, I think it is a mess. I think it's fair to say that. Because even though they're still sitting in third place, it's looking like another season where they have to cling on to third place before they can fall down even further down the table and potentially miss out on European football altogether. Yeah, for me, I've been saying all season that everything at the club is just stale. They've got stale players. The management was stale. There needs to be a clear out in the summer. Um, Van Bronckers going, somebody needs to come in that's going to you know, overhaul the whole playing squad. They've got so many talented youngsters coming through, but they just don't get a chance because there's players like Trunstra and Jordi Classes come back and you've got, you know, Jorgensen up front stinking the place up. Um, for me, I feel a bit sorry for Van Persie because this is his last few months in professional football and he's going to have to, if final don't progress in the cup, then it's going to be, you know, quite a sad way to go out with no trophies and, you know, fighting for third place in the league. So, many points behind Ajax and PSV and right now if you look at the two teams battling for third you've got to say that AZ Alkmaar are the, the favourites because they look red hot five wins out of five whereas Feyenoord look an absolute mess Um, no Kronigan only won 1-0 at the weekend it could easily have been more they absolutely battered Feyenoord who looked hopeless Um, yeah so I just need to hope that in the summer that someone comes in that has a lot of ideas of overhauling that squad get rid of some of the deadwood in there and build using the, the great youngsters that are coming through and give them a chance. Yeah, because that defence is pretty all over the place at the moment. Uh, that And that 1-0 defeat to Honingen, that they could have defeated, exceeded many, many more goals. Uh, and there were misplaced passes to, to Kenneth Vermeer, who was constantly flinging all over the place because of some poor passes back to him. There was really poor uh, attacking play from the full-backs. And the midfield was hardly protecting the back four, um, but it's just there's mistakes all over the place. Is it just a lack of concentration or what? For me personally, the tone was set when they got knocked out of the Europa League. When they got knocked out of the Europa League by Trenzin on the on before the season has started, you know, they qualified for Europe, and automatically they're thinking about group stages and and planning big games and you know that that kind of thing. And they've got a difficult qualifying round to get through and. They were they were put to the sword by Trenzin, and it was kind of a bit of a shock, a bit of a shock to the system. You know, also losing uh, on the opening day away to the Cup as well. It kind of sets the tone, and um, yeah, I think um, I think their decision to um, to announce Van Bronckhorst so early. I mean, it was announced with quite a fair bit of the season still to go. And um, I don't know if that plays a role where players are thinking, oh, well, he's leaving now. I don't really have to pull up any trees or do anything special. But from the board's point of view, I think they've got to get the right decision. I've got, they've got to make the right decision. I mean, the links of Derek Kaut, for example, and the, 
even uh, from a foreign sense, you know, I've heard the name of uh, Van Hasebroeke, who used to, I think he used to manage Henk, I believe. Uh, he's been linked with it as well, but they've they've got to make the right decision because you know they've got a new they've got to build to a new stadium, a new era, and as you say, they've got many many good young players in that in that squad that can that can be pushed on, and uh, be very interesting to see who they select. You also got to look at someone like Steven Berghaus as well. Like last season, he was so good. He was getting into the Netherlands squad. He was getting linked to clubs. This season, he's just been an absolute shadow of himself. Um, you got players like this, obviously, maybe they were playing last season for a move, Tony Vilhena as well, that just didn't come around and maybe they're just a bit demoralised this season. Um, yeah, I think the, the whole club is in just a bit of a sad state. Isn't it? Well, um, ours at Alkmaar, they found themselves in, in some, some pretty poor form, um, some, some actually quite uh, out-of-character performances. Um, and they had lost some key players in the summer. But what makes them so refreshed at the moment and um, a completely different side to Feyenoord because they're they're succeeding um, very much so and they they've they've on a run of six wins, um, eighteen goals scored, non conceded since the winter break, and a Dutch Cup semi final to look forward to. Um, what's the difference between these two clubs at the minute? If I can start with that one, I think the opposite effect that Van der Brom has announced is leaving after five years and they want to send him out in style. And I think that's the opposite effect of maybe announcing too early that Van Bronckhorst is leaving. I mean, I said Alakmaar invested heavily in youth in recent years and it's really starting to reap the benefits. And they're, they're becoming really, really structured. And, and Mike made a great point about the technical director, Max Halberts, with his way of going about his business and streamlining everything, which is really proving the benefit. But I think coupled with players coming to the fore and wanting to send John van der Brom off in style, I think they've just kind of propelled where it's given them a little bit of more of Im impetus, really. And I, um, they've got a cup semi-final to look forward to in Tilburg against Willem Twee. But my prediction on that is I think that Willem Twee will go on to play their first Dutch Cup final in, I believe, 14 years. For me, it's interesting about AZ is, you know, I love Calvin Stengs. I think he's a great young player. I think he's heading to the top and he's been in great form. But one of the big players that's really turned around since the New Year has been Adam Meyer. Um, you know, he left PSV after three or four years of not really becoming the player that everyone thought he was going to be when he first broke through at AZ. And, you know, he had that really disappointing spell in, in Turkey that then came back and went down with Twente last year and, you know, was looking for a club and then AZ offered him a training stage and he, at the start of the season he wasn't really in the team but now you've got to say he's probably their most creative player and he's he's really back to being what we thought he was going to be, a number 10 that's creating chances over the pitch and uh, the players that are you know, benefiting from it are the likes of Stengs and Till who was really poor at the start of the season so I think with Idrissi and Stengs up front, with Till behind him, they've got three great youngsters who can score goals and with Meyer pulling the strings behind him, I think they've just got a squad that's really on top form at the moment and uh, it's nice to see, but the job for AZ is can they keep these players going into next season, which is their biggest problem because as soon as they get someone that does start performing, then they get picked off. So um, there's likes of Stengs, Idrissi, Till, are they all still going to be there to start next season under a... A new coach? I think so. I, I think um, 
a lot of their first team players will stay um, at least for another year just because of how they started the season I think it's given them that, that bit of perspective that they didn't quite have last season where they thought they were a, bit, they were a runaway team and someone just, such as Jose Till perhaps was a little bit overconfident starting the season thinking it would be maybe quite easy being captain one more year but now I think he, he realises the work he's ha having to put in and having to redo it again with different players around him and I think it's important that he stays next season for the new, new manager to come in and be settled and have these first team players that will um, score lots of goals. I think RZ's problem looking forward is their defence. Um, it's certainly settled down and they have had loads more clean sheets. Marco Bizzo is back into some form in goal. Um, but also the centre-backs. Um, Ron Vlaar is, is, is getting on a bit on a bit. And his partner centre-back is either Turn Koopminers, who's a midfielder by trade. Or um, Panthers Hatsidiakos, who... Uh, it's a bit harsh to say, but I don't think he's going to be cut out for Arzé's level in the future. Um, so that's something they could certainly improve on, but these players need to solidify their, their place in the Dutch national team before they can think about a move um, going ahead. And it would be nice for Arzé to have um, one of those rare seasons where they have a lot of players reaching their prime, young players that are that are really lo um, looking to impress in the Netherlands, but doing it with RZ and having a sort of title push next season, if that's possible for them. Uh, it was brought about the Dutch Cup semi-final, and I think that's, that's vital to RZ's season, much as it is for final. And I think you'll end up seeing that it could well be a final, RZ final. Um, and if it was Ajax RZ, I would still tip RZ to win the final. Um, obviously very difficult to say at this stage, but it's interesting how James is saying that it'll be Willem Twee that reached the final. Um, but yeah, the, the form guy will suggest that Arsenal will, will get there. But we'll, we'll, we'll like, um, after the winter break especially, we've seen plenty of surprises enough to know that that won't be the case necessarily. I just think with home advantage as well, winning, in Ute winning away in Utrecht is no easy feat. And they have improved since the, since the winter break. And they have good players with the likes of Dan, uh, Dan Kalau and uh, Fernando Lewis. And in particular as well, Danny Crowley, you know, Lewis Baker came to the Netherlands on loan and played a massive part in uh, winning the first ever trophy in the history of Vitesse. And uh, Crowley could again be another Englishman who in recent years goes on to have domestic success with his new club. And um, I just think with home advantage, I think it's going to see them over the line. I was at, um, I was at Ajax Villemtwee uh, last, um, last November in the league. and. The Willem Trey fans in, in the away section of the Young Arena were absolutely tremendous. They were one of the best domestic fans uh, I've seen in, in a while here. They didn't shut up for 90 minutes, and you imagine that with a home advantage going into a, a uh, going into semi-final with a, a chance of a cup final for the first time in 14 years. It's a hell of a, a motivation for everybody, and I think that's what we'll see them over the line. For me, I've got a rather selfish look at it that I want the team that wins the, the trophy to be capable of doing something in Europe next season just because of the Dutch coefficient the way it is and uh, you know hopefully we can get 11th place um, ahead of Austria but if we don't then next year is going to be another um, big year for the country and I think um, this AZ side could do something in Europe and um, I think obviously Ajax and Feyenoord you're kind of getting in there if well and Toei got there and, and won it, yeah, it's great for them. It's great to see another side winning a trophy, but you know, you want to see a side that's capable of going into the Europa League group stages. And I think um, 
AZ or Feyenoord would be the best ones to get to that final and uh, it'll be in the name in the hat for everyone's next season which is important to me yeah that's a good point Mike um, something that I've forgotten about and I, I do agree that should AZ win the cup I think they do a great job in Europe if they can keep their best players and also have a manager who's um, who's experienced playing European football before um, especially if it's with a Dutch club as well I just wanted to make a point about Vitesse because we spoke briefly there about English players that have come to the Netherlands and done really well um, in, in, in a new country and someone that I really like to pick out is Max Clark, the Vitesse left back because I think he's um, he's come back from the winter break and he's had a tremendous start to the second half of the season. He hasn't been perfect um, but I think you could you could see that when he scored that goal against Willem Tway uh, the weekend that he just was so delighted and he just looked so pleased himself to score his first goal for his, his new club and he's making great strides in the left back position for Vitesse um, and it's a bold move for a player to leave Hull City where he probably could have had a, a great a great um, season this season with Hull but he's decided to go to Vitesse and um, forge a career in another country and he's doing very well so far. The Netherlands has also been a happy hunting ground for young players in recent years. I mean, you think of um, you think of not only uh, Lewis uh, Lewis Baker, for example. Danny Crowley is coming here. Um, the, the his name escapes me. He's now on loan at Derby, and he was at uh, he was also at Mason Mount. Madison Mount. That's the one. He had a tremendous effect, and I think British players in particular now, not just Europe, but also particularly the Netherlands, they can they can make a really positive impact. Not just for their clubs, but they can also make progression for themselves. I mean, I've, I've been, I've been banging the drum for British footballers to go abroad as much as they possibly can, and I think a lot of uh, British players, especially ones that have come here, the likes of Lewis Baker, Mason Mount, Danny Crowley, and now Max Clark, they're realising that they can make progression quite quickly, and it's also a big challenge. You know, it's a big challenge. You could stay, like you say, you can stay at Hull if you want to, but to come on, like in the, in the case of Lewis Baker. Lewis Baker has gone down in history at Vitesse because he was a huge part of the team that won their first major honour in in the club's history. And if it wasn't if it wasn't for him, they might not they might not have reached the final when they beat Sparta Rotterdam. So it's um, fans fans don't forget these kind of things. And, and yes, the the money and the riches of the Premier League must be uh, must be very um, tempting. But you know to to make progression on an individual playing sense and to be. Um, to find a new culture and to be loved by fans for really, really trying your heart out, heart out, and being appreciated is is something I think players can also appreciate. Yeah, I think you see what's happening in Germany with all the English players going over there. Um, I think you know Netherlands has to continue that link. Um, I don't think it's gone very well for Mac Breda this season. Um, I don't think they've been able to get the players that they wanted, and the uh, the and Chelsea link seems to have. You know, gone away um, this season. It's be interesting to see if it comes back next summer. Um, but I think, yeah, I think James is right. I think British players need to look abroad a bit more. I think the Premier League is becoming that so focused on money that these young players aren't going to get a chance anymore. And uh, the Netherlands, along with Germany, is the place that they should be looking at because they're going to get time. They're going to get game time for um, some of these clubs. And if they're good enough, they'll play. And they'll, if they showcase their talents in a league like the Eredivisie, then who's to say where, how far they can go in their career? Yeah, I think I think it's something very, very interesting going ahead because as uh, as Mike says about the money in the Premier League and 
you know, even my club, I've been an Arsenal, Arsenal fan for 30 years, but I, I've, I support a club in a back line that comes from Spa, Spain, France, Czech Republic, Germany, and they can't communicate. And, and it can be frustrating for supporters, whereas here in the Netherlands, players arrive from Britain, English is the second language of the Netherlands, they can be understood, they can talk and they can learn the local language as well and integrate even better. And it's, um, I, I'd like to champion along with not just, as Mike says, the, Nev uh, the Netherlands and Germany, but I think, I think in future, Spain, France and Italy should also be looked at as potential destinations. Yeah, and I think again next season you'll see even more English players coming across and hopefully not just on loans, hopefully some more on permanent bases. Uh, and Mike, there you mentioned about Nakbereda, um are struggling and they definitely are. Let's look down that bottom end of the table and it's shocking to see that only three points separate ninth place Cloningen down to um, 16th placed Eben. Of course, the bottom three are the danger zone in the Netherlands. 16th and 17th are the relegation playoffs and 18th is the only direct relegation place which at the moment looks as though it's a tie, a tie between Nak and De Graafsarp, um for that bottom position. Uh, James, Mike, what have you made of um, this relegation battle this season? It's going to be very tight and I don't think any of us could really pick out um, for sure all three teams that might end up getting into trouble. Um, but we spoke about Nak there briefly. Let's delve into them a little bit more. Why have they struggled so much this season? considering they have the new manager, considering they have a great home fan base that normally gets some results. Why have they struggled so much? I think player recruitment, I think that could have been better. And, and behind the scenes as well, I think the technical director, I think he resigned earlier on in the season and I don't think his position has been filled. Uh, there was so much uh, positivity regarding the, the Mitchell van der Gaaf appointment. I mean, he himself said, you know, this is a team that needs to push on to try to qualify for Europe. And with the wonders that he did at Excelsior, you um, you wouldn't you would you wouldn't have bet him against him with a bigger budget, um, doing even doing doing a, a very a very good job with Nagbleda. When I spoke to Fabian Sporkskleder uh, when I interviewed him last season, and he was telling me about the um, when they when they when they was you know full steam ahead to stay up they all believed and they all, they all fought for one another and there was a real brotherhood there I don't think that's there this time around and um, I think it's a little bit splintered um, I can't see Nakbreda getting relegated automatically I think they will finish in the relegation playoffs and then as we know the um, relegation playoffs are a lottery because of the quality of the Copen Campion first division as well um, we know ourselves for all our experience through the years with the, with the three of us that relegation always does seem to go to the final day and it's as minute as it sounds in the case of Sparta Rotterdam a couple of years ago when they went away to go ahead on the last day of the season and won to stay up your fixture on the last day can also be decisive because I think Sparta Rotterdam that season when they stayed up if they'd have gone to any other ground in the country, they wouldn't have stayed up. But they had the, I say, luck in inverted commas of going to the weakest team in the country whose heads were already down. So it was important. So it was easier for them to get the win. I think, I think this relegation will go to the final day and it could even go down to goal difference. It could be that tight. Yeah, I think I said at the start of the season, there's... Um... A lot of average teams in there division this season, and I think we're seeing it now that you know anybody can beat anybody. Um, you know FCM and come up first division season, 
they've done great. They can win at home against anyone around them. Um, and then you see a team like Herenveen, who you know can hold PSV to a draw, can hold Ajax to a four-four draw. They've got players like Sam Lammers, who everyone's debating if he's going to be the starting striker of PSV next season. And they're only above the drop zone on goal difference at the moment. Um, I agree. I think it's going to go down to the wire. I think NAC and the Grafskap one of them is going to finish bottom. You know, you think Nak Breda have enough going forward that they should be able to get a couple of wins going. You saw them at Ajax at the weekend. You know, they got thumped in the end, but the first half they caused problems. You know, they got Castanier and Ross Hoover up front. They've got pace. Um, Tavreda's a he's a good striker for a you know, sort of bottom of the table air division club. Um, you think they had to have a manager to be able to turn it around. Um, so I think they'll. Be, I agree. I think they'll finish seventeenth. I think the graph gap will go straight down. Then you got to pick one of six or seven clubs who's going to have a rotten run between now and the end of the season. Um, you think that Herenveen, Pexvoa, or Yapstam now in charge and doing well. Willem Tui and Ronigan will all be safe and then you've got you know, Fortuna Sittard who've had you know, a great season so far but since the winter break they've been awful defensively leaking goals um, Excelsior might this finally be the year that they get caught up I've been saying it every year that I think they'll go down and this might be it so I think yeah it's going to go right to the end of the, the wire and it's just going to be a case of who can survive the lottery of the playoffs because there's, there's going to be some tough teams in there there's going to be Sparta Rotterdam there's going to be or Den Bosch, that's got a lot of investment at the moment. Um, so I think whoever does finish in the 16th and 17th place is going to have a really hard time of keeping in the top fight. just wanted to add to that with the fixtures as well going into the promotion relegation playoffs. Who is at home in the second leg and those types of things. I think I'd like to give a special mention to FC Emmen. I think it will be a, a tremendous achievement for them in their debut season at the highest level to... Um, to to avoid relegation, I think they have a great chance, and I think Dick Lukin as well. I I, I spoke to Timo uh, Letzfeld when he was at um, when he was assistant at Groningen, and he said that it's thanks to Dick Lukin that I have become a central defender. If it wasn't for him convincing me, with his motivational and man management skills as well, which are well which are well noted with Dick Lukin, I'd like to think that Emmen will get over the line. Um, I do worry for Heerlen Vane a little bit because, as Mike says with Sam Lammers, a lot of pressure on his shoulders to score the goals and they've uh, they've drawn their last three matches. And uh, could this well be a season where, although Twente had uh, difficulty financially where their relegation always seemed like a stay of execution season upon season, could this also be the, the season where one of the bigger teams, in inverted commas, or seasoned teams at Eredivisie level also dropped down. Yeah, it's it was it's likely that we could see that perhaps with a Hale and Vane, um, even Ardo are down there struggling a little bit as well. And it, it's always always a chance that one of them just drop in right at the end. But they will have to have some poor form, I think, before the end of the season, considering the amount of teams that are struggling down there. Um, but one team that's pulling away from that um, that mess is uh, Groningen. Um, Danny Bowers has turned it around. Um, he has achieved four wins from his last five games and Ludovic Rice uh, in midweek uh, has said that now that Koningen are looking for the European playoffs they're changing their attentions and they're looking up the table um, a far more positive outlook than we, we certainly thought about them back in November, December um, they are getting results though and they just have this fight about them once more 
and they they are sometimes um, riddled with a few mistakes in defence, but in an attacking sense, they have changed it. They've turned it all around. Mimou um, Mahi has linked up well with Ritsu Dan. Um, Ludovic Rice is back to full fitness, which is great to see. Um, and there's just so many positives to say about that club at the moment. Yeah, and I think they did really well in January to swap out Matteo Cassiera and bring in Kai Sirius. I think uh, he's a great striker for a club like Ronnie and, and uh, he puts in a lot of hard work um, when he's on the pitch. And I think his movement, along with the forward line of Mahi and Ritsudoan, I think the movement of all freedom is going to prove a lot of defences, uh, a lot of trouble. You know, it's too much to handle for Feyenoord at the weekend. And, you know, they're only five points off of Heracles in seventh. You know, you can't rule out that they're going to sneak into the playoffs and uh, it'd be a tough test for anybody that's in that, that four four places. I also have to eat, eat a little bit of humble pie. I um, I thought Danny Bowes' um, jump from Kozaka boys to Groningen would be a little bit too much and I thought I was right at the first half of the season but they have managed to turn it around. Um, I think it just goes to show how quickly things can change, particularly in the Eredivisie, where one minute you're being talked of as a potential relegation candidate and the next minute uh, you are um, you are looking at potential European playoffs. I think the truth is somewhere in between the two as to where they may well finish. At home it's always a difficult away day Groningen, not just for the teams that are buying to stay up but also for the bigger boys as well but uh, I um, I'll compliment Danny Bowers and his team and his players because they've, um, they've turned it around quickly and they've given themselves a real chance of a potential European playoff spot. They have indeed. Uh, well, let's see how that goes for the end of the season. I think it's also a matter of time before we start seeing the transfer rumours again for the likes of Doan and, and Rice um, to other clubs, bigger clubs in the Eredivisie. Uh, well, I think that's going to be all for this week's um, Football Daniel podcast. So, James and Mike, thanks for joining me. Thank you. You're more than welcome anytime. Brilliant. And we'll... I think we'll record another podcast very soon. There's many different, many different things happening in the Dutch football calendar, um, international-wise and domestic-wise. So we'll look forward to um, giving you another podcast very soon. Thanks for listening. That is back up. That is back up. Bessie, yeah, yeah, yeah. That is he. Yeah, yeah. That is Klaassen. Goal.